This is kind of a little contest and, you know, 90 people responded. We then cut it down to 30 and then we went around and vetted everybody on the internet to make sure you were who you said you were. And you're the one that we like the best. And we want you to launch a podcast. Podcast Junkies, episode 145. Happy birthday to me. It's my birthday today. Well, on the day that I'm recording this. It's been an interesting journey and birthdays are always a fun time to do a bit of introspection and also looking forward at everything that I've got ahead of me today is the first day of the rest of my life. And today is the first day of your podcasting journey, at least the next step in it, no matter if you've been doing this for 10 years or 10 minutes. (laughs) I think uh, sometimes we try to worry too much about where we've been and we fret about where we're going, and we lose sight of the journey, when what's important is the destination. If you're hearing me for the first time, you may not know who I am. You may just know about Podcast Junkies, because there's nothing about the show that brands me, and I've been thinking about that recently. My name is Harry Duran, by the way. (laughs) I'm the host, and been the host for about three and a half years. 145 episodes as of today, that's bananas. This is the show where I go out of my way to find amazing voices in podcasting, podcast hosts, and occasionally people who are running networks, people who are doing really interesting things in podcasting, and get them, get them to relax, uh, kick back their heels, and you know we just take the conversation where it naturally flows. We talk about shows, we talk about passions, we talk about family, we talk about hobbies, And before you know it, a whole hour has gone by, and I hope you're all the more entertained as a result of it. In case you missed it, we actually had one of those conversations last week with Richard Davies. He's the host, or the co-host, excuse me, of How Do We Fix It? Incredibly smart guy, uh, has been uh, podcasting for a bit of time now, and and more importantly, he's got a great background in radio. Um, We really had a great conversation after connecting at Podcast Movement, and it's just uh, another reminder of uh, all the reasons why I need to get out to as many conferences as possible. So make sure you check that out, episode 144. This week, I have the pleasure of speaking with Colleen Mullen, host of Coaching Through Chaos and Strength to Shrink. Colleen is a relationship therapist, and we connected, uh, obviously, at a conference, As <laughs> in case you're noticing the trend. Uh, we had a great conversation about the response she's received on her podcast and the connections she's made as, as a result how she's using her podcast as a way to leverage and enhance her business, the creative ways she's branding her podcast in her waiting room. You got to listen for that one. It's really, really interesting. And obviously, once she mentioned that she was from the East Coast, we started reminiscing about old New York clubs and life in New York and museums. So we go a little bit uh, deep into a rabbit hole on that as well. So as always, full show notes are available at podcastjunkies.com slash 145. This episode is brought to you by Podbean. I mentioned it before, but they've got a great podcast hosted by Jennifer Crawford. It's called Podcasting Smarter. And I don't necessarily listen to everything that's in my queue as soon as it comes out, but I always have everything in my podcasting section in Overcast. Shout out to Overcast as well. But uh, Podbean had an episode with Josh Hallmark of Two Pods a Day. And I thought it was really 
interesting because he's he talked about this idea of really treating your podcast like a business if you really want it to succeed and that really stood out for me as I was, as I was getting caught up so it's always really interesting because uh, Jennifer does a fantastic job of highlighting folks that are on the Podbean network so obviously if you are part of the Podbean family then you get to the top of that list and I'm sure they'll find a way to get you on the show so just one more reason to check out Podbean uh, go to podbean.com slash podcast junkies to get started. And don't forget the offer still stands. If you need help with any coaching regarding your podcast and getting set up, please don't hesitate to reach out once you've signed up with them. Make sure you stay till the end of the episode where I reveal this week's amazing magical retention hashtag. It's for the folks that are playing along at home and are the super podcast junkies, junkies. But for now, enjoy my conversation with Colleen. All right, Colleen Mullen, host of Coaching Through Chaos and Strength to Strength. Thank you so much for finally joining me on Podcast Junkies. And here we are. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Harry, for having me on. It only took two years of conferences. <laughs> <laughs> if people only knew like a lot of what happens in, in the in the green room as we start to get these calls <laughs> set up. We could make a whole blooper reel about stuff like that, right? Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Are you normally like, do you consider yourself tech savvy or, or have, has that been a learning curve as you've had the podcast over the years to learn all the different pieces of it? I am terrible. And as we just had an experience, you had to walk me through how to even plug things into my computer, but I've been podcasting at least monthly for two and a half years, and I still have no idea how to use half my equipment. So, <laughs> well, you know, what's, you know what's interesting, Colleen, is a lot of times new podcasters let that stop them from moving forward, and obviously for you it didn't, and and I'm sure you know a lot more now than you did when you started. But the most important thing you did was actually start. That's right. And I actually, the way that I started was kind of interesting um, because I just kind of threw myself into the ring. I didn't really even know what a podcast was. And I answered an ad from what turned out to be a radio producer in Houston. And I'm in San Diego, but I do a lot of reporter interaction. I write for a lot of websites and get my leads through certain listservs. And there was an ad that said, looking for an idea for a radio show. And that's always been my dream. So I said, well, I came up with the idea for what became Coaching Through Chaos, and I sent it in, and it took about three months, but I got this call from a, a radio show uh, host in uh, Houston who had a big following, and he said, hey, we actually, this is kind of a little contest, and you know, 90 people responded. We then cut it down to 30. And then we went around and vetted everybody on the internet to make sure you were who you said you were. And you're the one that we like the best. And we want you to launch a podcast. And now I'm a huge Tim Ferriss fan. And so I've been listening to his show for a million years or however long he's been on, but I really didn't know podcasting as a thing. And, um, so I, so they said, yeah, you want to start a podcast. So I called up my husband at the time and I said, hey, he was a tech guy. I said, do you think you could do some audio engineering and stuff for this thing? And he said, sure, I could probably do that. So I said, sure, I'm going to do this. And so I was, this was the beginning of May because I remember where I was. It was like May 3rd or something where I was away. And they said, good, we need you launched by June 1st. And I was like, oh, sure. <laughs> and so, and the, the idea and what Coaching Through Chaos is, is interviews with authors and experts in psychology and people who can help people navigate the chaos in their life. And so I was like, 
I was like, okay, so I'm going about my business and I run a private practice because I'm a therapist. And two weeks into it, I'm like, oh my God, like in two weeks, I need to have a show like, and it needs to be on a real radio station. I'm like, what am I going to do? So I just started emailing authors on Amazon and reached out to them through their websites, didn't even have a show to sell them or an audience. And was like, this is who I am. This is what I want to do. I'd love to interview you. And so I stacked up 12 interviews the last week of May. I took off my from my practice and just did 12 interviews and never used a microphone, never did anything. And we launched and we got a show up on June 1st and it did great. And um, here we are two and a half years later. And so um, we have 50 episodes. They were, they, we went from weekly to monthly and now it's kind of intermittent based on who I get as a guest because now I'm looking at the value of the guests that I'm bringing to the table as opposed to I have a deadline because I have a podcast and I've committed to put these out there. So I do it for my own interest and, my, and I was building it as a kind of like an online database of self-help stuff. And so for me, it became more about the value of what I'm, I'm bringing to the audience. And so, you know, they might not get one for a couple of months, but when they do, it's an interesting topic, at least I think so, and an mm-hmm. interesting guest. So it's, it's really taught me a lot, but that jump start, like I'll always have that guy to think about it. We just emailed last week and he said, how's it going? I'm like, pretty good. We're still doing it. Now I got two more shows. So did you, yeah. did you follow up, up with him after the, uh, the hurricane? Yeah. Yeah. And he said that, you know, his house did okay, but of course, lots of people that he's connected to and everything, you know, they've lost a lot. And so, um, yeah, just terrible what's going on as far as the weather and stuff is happening around us. It's, it seems like it's more prevalent because now just as people are recovering from, uh, the Irma, now it's, there's another one coming through and just hit Puerto Rico as, as of this recording. So it's been pretty crazy. Oh, of course, and the earthquake down in Mexico, south of us. Yeah. Yeah. Mother- I kept thinking we were going to have aftershocks up here in California. Speaking of aftershocks, I got a tremor uh, in my... We were in the living room watching something two nights ago, and I think it's my first California... Tr- I don't know, even know what to call it. it. The best way to describe it is like my house just went over a speed bump. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was yes. the weirdest feeling in the world. And I'm like, yeah. what was that? And And I was like some sort of tremor or I don't even know what to call it. It, I, I, I vaguely remember an earthquake back in New York long, long time ago, I think in the late seventies, um, uh-huh. where I could feel that rumble. And I think my wife said she's felt one here since while I was on at a conference. But other than that, I haven't had knock on wood, like the experience of what it's like to go through when I can't imagine. I don't know if, if, if you have. Yeah, I've had two and, uh, two experiences. One of them, I was laying on a concrete, um, you know, patio around a pool because it was hot. It was a, it was the um the Easter one a few years ago. Must be ten years ago now okay. or almost. And it just rumbled for a good five seconds. So I'm laying on concrete. So there's nothing underneath me. And I'm like, oh, it's an earthquake. <laughs> but then another one. I thought I was being attacked in my bedroom. I was. This was like six months into living in California, and I've been here 17 years now. But I'm yeah. six months out here. I didn't know anybody. Like I'm going to graduate school, and. I literally woke up thinking I was being attacked and it never even occurred to me. Like I was checking my closet. I'm like, what is going on? Someone just attacked me and I'm driving to work the next day and I'm spooked. Like I didn't sleep the rest of the night and I'm driving to work and I hear them talking about the earthquake 
at night that shook from Escondido and stuff, which is where I was living at the time. And I went home and I'm like, what the heck was hitting me? And it was my exercise bike was right next to where I sleep, you know, right next to the head of my bed. And it literally was knocking over and hanging me. And so I literally was being attacked. And I was like, oh, well, thank God it wasn't a human being. But... (laughs) I imagine there's so many earthquake-related stories like that. So people, crazy. Especially if it's your first one. And that's not something you can describe to people in a way that they can relate to until they've actually experienced it. Right. And moving to California, like I think we all kind of know, okay, we need to expect that there's going to be yeah. like little rumblings and stuff. But your mind doesn't think like that. Like I'm like you, I'm a New Yorker. And I was 30 years old by the time I came out here. It just didn't even occur to me that when I, I mean, it was such a relief when I'm driving down the road and I'm hearing them say on the radio about the earthquake. I'm like, oh, thank God. Like I just thought I'm going to die. Somebody's killing me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, so. It's, it's, well, it's so funny. We have one of those Army Navy stores down the street from us, and they're uh-huh. constantly, depending on the time of the year, they're like, "Get your Burning Man supplies, get your mm-hmm. get your earthquake preparedness kit." And I'm like, "Oh, we should probably do one of those." And, and you know, we have maybe some candles and I think a flashlight whose batteries we haven't checked. So I think it, it was a nice reminder. I think you're supposed to have a pair of sneakers by your bed in case there's broken glass or something and so you're not fumbling around. There's a a whole checklist of stuff, none of which we've adhered to. So I I think all it takes is a tremor to to kind of shake you up and literally and figuratively and remind you to to get that earthquake kit, kit in order. Yes, and then just hope for the best because when you see the videos of how quick things go down, like I don't oh, yeah. know if anybody's stopping to put sneakers on. I think yeah. they're just running well, or that's, hiding. That's the whole point. Like it has to be near your bed or under your bed because if it, even if you think it's just in the closet, you know, across the room, by the in the minute your first instinct is just to literally get up and run. So to the point to the extent that you can have those and grab and go and and you're supposed to have like water and and we have a Yorkie, so we've got to have a way to throw him wow. in, in the backpack <laughs> so, mm-hmm. <laughs> so um so yeah the, the, we we get on a bunch of different tangents here but just <laughs> just coming back to what you were talking about it's interesting how this idea of coaching through chaos was something that you put into practice literally from the from the moment and in, in your inception of the podcast was you know i think in your mind it was like well i got to walk the walk and if i'm going to talk the talk right that's right. And I try to do that in general and what I practice, what I preach to the most part, you know, with my clients and as a therapist, and I've been a therapist much longer than a podcaster. And um, so, yeah, and I'm a risk taker. So for me to just kind of say, sure, I'll do this. I'm one of those people that says yes and then figures out what to do, you know, and I will learn through jumping in with two feet. And so, um, so on that end, you know, yeah, a lot of people were like, Oh my God, like you have this thing. And I'm like, well, I just said I was going to do it. So yeah. I did it, you know, and, and, and it sounds easier than it is, but, but I mean, some things are much harder to build, but this worked out and it just was a really supportive environment. It was cool to have, like, I probably wouldn't have done it so fast if I didn't have this deadline because I'm also a person who works well with deadlines. Yeah. And so, um, but it's worked out really well. And, and I, and I'm not associated with the radio station any longer. We kept with them for about eight months and then just kind of looking at like what would benefit us and why would we stay and stuff. And so kind of broke away from him, but it stayed, you know, this person turned out to be a great connection. It was a support, like I said, supportive environment. So yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, I try to practice what I preach for the most part. (laughs) (laughs) So what's been the, the response to the podcast since you started? 
Well, the, it's been positive. That's number one. And um, it was fun to see, you know, I know the iTunes stats, people say doesn't matter too much, but it is fun seeing it number two in a certain category. Nice. And, you know, even if it's for a minute, yeah. you see it there and I got the screenshot and <laughs> there it is. important. <laughs> you got to have proof that it was there. And um, But what it is, is to be honest with you, just for the people who are out there who are thinking about podcasting or haven't reached out to people as guests on the show, I have to say the biggest thing about podcasting is the connections to yeah. people, the people that I've had on, like, you know, and you're meeting all the, the podcasters, right? You know, and we're all getting to meet these other people that we might, you know, dream of meeting. Like I'm chasing after Pat Benatar right now. And I'm like oh, wow. this close to getting her on the show. Like one of these days she's going to do it. Her manager says, yes. So, um, you know, and, and that's because she would fit in to talk about her long-term, almost 40 year marriage in the public eye. And that's what I do. I'm a relationship therapist. I'd love to feature her. And so, but it gives you some, some guts to go after people and, and try and make connection. But the people who I have made the connection with who have been guests on have been tremendous in their generosity of their time, their connection, their follow-up, the ways that now people who have other things to offer will reach out and say, Hey, you were so good to have me on your show. Can I offer this to you? And it's just been tremendous. And I love that. Like I think of myself as a people connector. So mm -hmm. it's one of my strengths is connecting people with useful resources, I suppose, or the right people that they should know. And so the show has worked out tremendously for me for that. And then, um, and then I have Shrink to Shrink, which I co-host, and I've never been in the same room with my co-host. We've never met in person. And so, uh, and that's with Courtney Calkins, who's another podcaster and another therapist. He's up in Northern California. And by a fluke, I guessed it on his show. People liked what we had to say. And then they, we came up with this model for using these scenes from the movies to talk about psychology and life and just joke around a little bit. We definitely are not playing, you know, head doctors on there, but we yeah. know a lot about psychology in it. And, um, and it's turned out to be so much fun and, 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 you know, a nice little outlet for me to not always be so serious yeah. and talk about psychology in such a serious therapy type of way. And, uh, so I love it and, you know, I've made tremendous friends through the podcasting world. So I don't have anything negative to say about the <laughs> podcasting experience. <laughs> well, then when you layer in the experience you have, when you go to a podcasting conference, that, That's the next level. Right? So, so talk about your first conference experience. Right. So, so pot, so I've, the two that I've gone to is podcast movement and I went and uh, what was it? 16 and 17 and I've bought my tickets for 18 and in, in Philadelphia. Nice. And, and again, what's come out of that is these tremendous connections. Like seriously, one of my best girlfriends is a podcaster now in Minneapolis. And, uh, and so, you know, and then I have another great friend from Australia and it's just, the connections are tremendous. I'm doing, as we're talking, like you're in LA and I'm going up to LA next week to do Matt Marr's show because we met and connected. And I met you last year and ran yeah. into you. You were the first person I saw this year when I showed up. And I'm, I'm hard like, to miss. I know. I'm like, oh, it's Harry. At least there's a face I recognize. And so, uh, and it's just great. I mean, everybody walks around. And I think for me too, it pushes me because, you know, everybody has things when they go into like social environments and they, you know, are like, oh, I'm not going to know anybody. Like literally in Chicago last year, I got there for July 4th because I thought, well, I might as well see what the fireworks look like in Chicago. And the thing started on the 6th, I think. So I went in a couple of days early and I just started walking around going, 
you know, what podcast do you host and where, where are you from? And, and just started asking people because I figured we all have this thing in common. Yeah. And, and so we have something to talk about, which breaks the ice. And it was just so fun. Like I literally met um, Jared Easley, who's the, yep. you know, one of the founders of Podcast Movement online at the Starbucks because he had a Podcast Movement t-shirt. So I poked him on the shoulder. He said, hey, I probably want to know you. I'm here early. I'm a podcaster too. Who are you? And he says, Jared. I said, oh, Colleen Mullen. He's like, oh my God. He goes, you've been tweeting about us for days. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> and and I had interviewed Dan Franks for Coaching Through Chaos also oh, nice. to feature the entrepreneurship uh, yeah. side of that story. And so, I mean, he knew me from that as well, but he's like, oh my gosh, he's like, you've totally been all over Twitter with us, you know, in the last couple of days. I'm like, yeah. So and he's pulling other people over. Oh, that's Colleen. I'm like, this is so funny. Yeah. He's a, he's yeah. a, he's a good connector. Right. Right. And then, um, and today someone just posted a picture of one of the, the after party, what was it? Patreon after party. Oh, yeah. And so it was uh, Shell Hamilton posted a picture with me and Alyssa Dare Nelson, who is the friend of mine that lives in Minneapolis, and uh, with two guys that I didn't know who they were. And uh, I was Ryan Nicodemus, and I don't remember the other guy, but they're the host of the Minimalist podcast. Oh, yeah. And so Shell's like, oh my gosh, my friend wants to meet you. She wants me to get a picture with you as if you know she knew who they were. I didn't. I was talking to Ryan for a minute. I'm like, hey, what's going on? What's your show about? And just, you know, this and that and whatever. And then I look them up and they have like literally hundreds of thousands of followers yep. just on Instagram. And then apparently there's a documentary and yeah. there's books. So I've now been listening. I'm now a fan. But the one thing that I love about that is that you can just walk around with people who have million have make an empire out of podcasting and that are hanging out with us who get a few thousand hits here and there, you know, and are just like hoping for, you know, we'd love to make that, you know, bigger, but it everybody's the same. Yeah. To and, totally. Yeah. No, so, yeah. Inter so interesting. I, I know the minimalist guys was there. I don't know if they were both there, but the, the tall one, yeah. the blonde one, and a friend of mine snapped a photo and put it on Facebook. And I, and I was like excited because I had seen the documentary and I said, uh -huh. he's here. I want to see him. And, you know, it's just podcast movement is so crazy. The days go by. I always try. I, I'm, I'm now trying to get there. I was there a day early for Josh Elledge's event. Um, uh -huh. He did the Fame and Profit Lab, which I spoke at. And ah. then, and then I stayed through Saturday, but even then it just feels like you're just running out of time because there's, there's so many, um, connections you want to make. And obviously the more I interview podcasters, the more connections I make with people. And because they're video, you know, we've, we've made a really solid connection. So when I see them in the hallway, it's instant, Hey, and I, and I think I've been more conscious this year about just stopping, focusing my attention on the person I'm talking to putting my blinders on because in podcast movement, like all you need is something out of the corner of your eye or something. Shiny, yeah. shiny object syndrome. <laughs> oh, hey. Yeah. And, and we've been on the, you know, we've all been on the receiving end of that where someone's talking to you and you can see that their eyes are moving and you can see that they're ready to jump to the next conversation. And I don't want to be that person anymore. So I'm just like, you know what? So I had really some nice conversations. I, I was chatting with uh, Gary Leland, um, who, uh -huh. I, who I got to know on the show. And, and because we made the connection, you know, he he stopped to talk to me and I wanted to give him my full attention and just, you know, one-off conversations like that, Ray Ortega, we sat down for a while and chatted and some new connections. And I just feel like it's about the quality of the conversations as opposed to just doing the shotgun approach and just saying, you know, high-fiving everyone in the hallway. Because at the end, what, what are you going to have to remember? Just a couple of random run-ins with people as opposed to maybe, you know, five to 10 really meaningful conversations.
Exactly. And for as much as we, we, some of us might only have podcasting in common as opposed to anything else in our lives and how we live or anything else, it, you know, we can all connect on a different way. And I think for me, this, the second time around was also about the deeper connections. Like I had the couple of really good friends that I made in that uh, conference last year, but coming back this year, I think it was that, that I, I then lost the whole newbie thing a little bit. And I felt a little bit more confident in, in, going up to people and just really kind of asserting myself and making some good connections. Then I have another really cool story about podcast movement. Um, So when I had first launched my podcast, I literally had like, I think 250 downloads and three episodes out. Like it didn't, I I didn't know anybody had even found yet. Maybe it was 2000. I'm not, I don't know. But I get this email from Eric Zimmer from the the One You Feed podcast, and he was voted number one in 2014 by iTunes in health. And so he had millions of downloads, and he wrote to me and said, hey, I've seen, I've heard your podcast, I like what you're doing, and I'd fit as a guest because he was in recovery and he's an entrepreneur and all that stuff. So he said, I'd love for you to interview me and I can promote your show. And I'm like, oh my God. God, of course, that'd be amazing. And this is in 2015. So he's like hot on the, on the iTunes, you know, stuff. And so I'm like, that'd be amazing. So we did that. And, and, and since that time, so I was over two years ago, like I'll email him a couple of times, like, you know, that first year and kind of thank him for this and ask him about stuff. He's been, you know, like a easy person to reach out to, but I literally haven't had any connection with him in over a year, but every month he still promotes that particular episode a couple of times a month. He will do that. I'll always get a few more listeners from mm-hmm. it. I can see the bump in the audience when he does it. And so this time I'm driving up to, to Anaheim for the conference and through the podcast movement app, he found me and said, Hey, Colleen, I see that you're here. We should get together. And I'm like, Oh my God, of course. <laughs> so, so I get up there and when I first meet him, cause I also didn't really know what he looked like. So, but then, then I sort of did and I heard his voice and I'm walking past him like, Oh, Eric. And so, so I had like a two second, like fangirl moment was like, Oh my God, it was so tremendous for you to help me and blah, blah, blah. But then I'm sitting there in the afternoon. I'm like, no, like we've had other conversations. I don't want to be like a fangirl and just go, thanks for being on my show and like, see you later. So I sent him a message, say, Hey, if you didn't make plans yet, I'll take you to dinner and let's have a conversation. And I did. And it was amazing. It was, it was amazing just for like, kind of like the connection of hearing about what when a person gets to a level of, you know, several million downloads over some years and stuff, and I have several thousand, and we both had similar struggles with how do you expand? Mm-hmm. How do you get new audience? How do you do these things? And I'm like, oh my gosh, like the struggle, <laughs> as they say, the struggle is real, but the struggle <laughs> is familiar. Yeah. And so it, it was just super cool to have this connection in person with someone who I really felt tremendously grateful for, for his previous, you know, reaching out to me. So, I mean, that was my little like, oh my gosh, moment of podcast movement. <laughs> well, it's, it's really important because it, the listener should be really paying attention, especially if they're a new podcaster and they're thinking about going to their first conference or they've been to one. And so they've gotten over their um, newbie moment. And I think you, you smartly enough realize the importance of building lasting connections and you you had you had a connection with with him uh enough so that you felt comfortable making that in uh, that invitation and he he obviously accepted and i think it's just important because you know that's why we do it you know we we do it so that we can reach an audience but also 
I, I'm I'm a big fan of this of, of what I call treating your guests like gold. So mm. you know, whether you've been on their show, or they've been on your show, but just just not taking that for granted. You know, I know a lot of times I've heard stories of people appearing on other people's shows and then they have no idea if the episode was released or if it ever came out. Yeah. And that's like a, a just definitely a no no if you're a, if you're a host of a podcast and you invite someone on and then right. you don't let them know. I mean, they just that leaves a bad taste in their mouth and it just it's not good for the industry as a whole because you know especially there's new people that are coming onto podcasts mm. and if that's their first experience they're like, "Well, this podcast, these podcasters don't seem to have their act together." Right. Absolutely. And, and I have friends that are in other professions that are known for what they do. And, you know, one of my girlfriends says, well, I get asked to be on 20 podcasts a day and she hardly ever does them because it's, it's people are reaching out and they're not, they're not selling it the right way yeah. because I mean, I, and I'll even try and triage for her with a few people and be like, come on, like you should do this person's. This is really how mm -hmm. much of a fan they are and how they want to present you and stuff. And I think you're right. Like, you know, the way it's just like anything else, any business, right? This is, even though a lot of us aren't making money at this, this is part of something that enhances our business. Cause to be honest with you, coaching through chaos has become a reference point for other therapists. Mm -hmm. It's also something that potential clients look at and they'll call yeah. me and say, I listened to the episode on the, on the codependency expert. And I really like wanted to come and talk to you, you know, um, gives me some credibility. It gives me some clout depending on who the expert is that I'm interviewing. And so it helps and enhances my business here because I've got a budding, you know, growing business with other people that are dependent on me. And so treating our customers, our guests, as gold is so important. I mean, it's just good business practice, but it's yeah. good for the reputation of podcasting, as you said, because now, you know, the thing is now I think, you know, and you've been around for, I assume a few more years than I have in podcasting. And, um, you know, there's this idea that you can just put a microphone in front of your face and talk into it and you have a podcast and technically, I guess you can, and you don't have to edit things, you don't have to clean things up, and you don't have to interview anybody or converse with anybody, and you can slam it up on iTunes, but we want to look at quality products, mm -hmm. right? And that, yeah. that's what, what I think about and the value and the quality of what I'm going to bring to, to the audience. And even in our fun show, even with Shrink to Shrink, you know, Courtney does a lot of work. We, we, we pull out all of the, yeah, Courtney does a lot of work. I just show <laughs> shout, up and talk. Shout out to Courtney. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I watch a movie and show up and talk about it. And he teases me about my life. Yeah. So, so yeah, Courtney's awesome, but you know, we pull all the clips, he does all the editing, he pieces it all together. He then cleans us up a little bit. I mean, it's, it's such a lot of work. It's really his passion is podcasting and he loves supporting other podcasters. And so, you know, that's even just our, like, I want to say our throwaway show because we both have our own stuff, but it's not our throwaway because thousands of people listen to yeah. that every month. So it's definitely not. And we treat it like I look forward to that day every month when we record that, you know, is, is just always fun, a fun couple of hours for us. And so, you know, so we, you know, when you treat it, treat even the things that you think aren't going to enhance your like professional life, you just treat it all with respect and, you know, want to put out a quality product, people will hear that and they'll recognize that. Yeah, well, it's so important because everyone knows that the best place to find a new podcast listener is through another podcast because you That's don't right. have, you don't have to convince them about the medium. They're already listening. And th I imagine there's like a cross stream thing, right? So uh, there's probably people that make it to uh, coaching 
through chaos from shrink to shrink and, and vice yes. versa. You know, you maybe just can't help every once in a while mentioning it. So those are nice ways to build audiences as well. And, 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 you know, they could be looking for a show like that and they just may not even have known that it exists. And so by all means, I, I always am a big fan of, of being on every single platform possible. That's why I'm, I mean, I, I never try to dictate where my listeners should find me because I'm not that presumptuous, right? If they're only on Instagram and that's where they live, then that's where you should be. And some people only are, some people only have one social media account, right? You I know. don't imagine that. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's so I practically crazy. live there. <laughs> I'm wondering if any, if, 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 if in your, um, in your practice, if this idea of, uh, you know, what, what's happening with this connection slash disconnection that we have because of being on social media, if that's starting to come up more and more frequently. Oh, about right. Everybody's supposed to be connected more, but we actually feel disconnected. Yeah. Certainly it does. It comes up with clients who have maybe been single for a while or that their kids have grown up, those kind of clients who are like maybe in their mid forties and, or a little bit older. And, you know, you can, you can feel very lonely and there's a lot, you know, and you know what I get with a lot of the, I'll say younger clients, the 20, 30 something clients is the comparison that goes on. So everybody's like looking and of course everybody mm. puts out their best foot forward. Yeah. Um, even my friends, like I just went back to New York after a year and I was saying something about my life and they're like, Oh, we didn't know that. And I'm like, well, I don't put my personal life yeah. on, on, on social media. Like it's all promotion for my stuff. I mean, I put out personal stuff, but I'm not going to put out my deep, dark, you know, troubles and things that go on in life. And so you only put out your best version because we are selling something, yeah. you know, I'm selling good relationships. I'm selling, you know, authority in psychology. I'm selling the fact that I'm a good writer and, you know, and I'm selling my team and my team is looking for me to be an example of like what you should be selling online as far as your personality and stuff. But so there's always a, a bend towards, you know, everybody's life is better than mine. Mm. And as far as like what can come up with my clients. And then of course, yes, we're supposed to be so much more connected, but we're not really because it prevents us from actually having to go out and see our friends and see the people that we haven't seen in a while. On the other hand, it can be, it can be super for connecting people who you just might have lost touch with your whole entire life, like long lost cousins mm -hmm. or friends from childhood that all of a sudden appear on Facebook. And now you feel like, Oh my gosh, like this is so cool to have some knowledge of these people and feel like you have that grounding to who you were as a kid and these people who know you in that way. Um, so that can be a great aspect of it. So there's, you know, there's pros and cons, I guess, depending on the day and the emotional state of mind that a person's in. I was listening to a podcast. I've become friends with uh, Dr. Mark Goldston. I don't know if you remember, if you've heard of him. He's the author of a book called Listen and by seven or eight other books as well. Mm -hmm. and I, I've heard of that book. I yeah, think. he's fantastic and super smart guy. And um, he was on a podcast where he was talking about this new generation who is so used to communicating feelings uh, and emotions through text, you know, like, and so a response to something would be like an LOL or an, or an emoji. And, and there's no face to face. I mean, people are breaking up with each other via text yeah. messages. It's crazy. And when it comes time to like interact with the face to face, they're so socially awkward because they haven't had put in the hours. Um, 
to, and and the and dealing with like the rejection and and how do you handle that and and it's just we're we're entering in this into this new era like how are these people going to cope because they're getting older and older and then so now they're hitting the job force and you know they're just they don't have these social skills Yes. And that's, that's a really good point. When you talk about like how couples use it also for communicating, there's my, my specialty is like high conflict couples Mm -hmm. and, um, in my practice. And, um, you know, I always tell them you have to stop texting when you're upset because it's already bad enough that even when you're not upset with each other, that you can misread texts and, and get triggered into something. But when you really are already upset, there is no inflection. There's no tone. There's no um, nuances of the words or the body language. And yeah, it can all be misinterpreted. Yes. Yes. And so, and there's a, a statistic of 80% of divorces currently cite Facebook in some sort of, some part of the divorce proceeding. <laughs> I know. Wow. Look out. <laughs> That's bananas. So it, it it is. And it doesn't mean that Facebook is the cause of it, but I can't tell you how many times I've had couples come in and said, well, I caught her or him, t- you know, messaging behind, you know, private messaging with someone that they used to know. And it's like, okay. And was it something that was it inappropriate or was it just insecurity yeah. popping up that you're insecure, you know, and, yeah. and is it really bad? So, but it is making it into our court system and <laughs> far as the divorce proceedings go. Wow. So, Have have you seen the fact that you have a podcast and and maybe those conversations make their way into your practice or vice versa? Have you seen your experience in your practice color over the years as your podcast has grown? Like those conversations kind of do you, do you see like a, like a, a a merging or a mixing of, of, of that? What, What you're learning in one is applying to the other. Oh, certainly. I mean, like on any given day, I mean, one of the people I interviewed was uh, Dr. Harry. He's He just goes by Dr. Harry, but it's Harry Haratunian from, he's the medical director of the Betty Ford Center for years. So I'm getting like expert, expert medical interaction with him over this conversation that we had about drug use. And that's another one of the specialties, the codependency woman, there's narcissism, there's all these things. And so, yes, of course, I'm having these conversations and they're like little refresher classes for me. I mean, I got a doctorate, I got a master's, like, but these are refresher classes for me with these experts who have sat down and written the book and done the research. And it's tremendous. Of course, those will come into play, but then I'll also have people where I'll have clients and they'll tell me about something. And most of them at this point know um, that I host a podcast and there there are things for it where they can tune into it in the waiting room and stuff like that. But I'll hear them talk about something and I'll say, you know, I know you, you know, I host this podcast. I did interview this person who was on a certain topic and I think you might relate to it. And I'd be curious what your thoughts are if you listen to this. And so and I'll just give them a gentle suggestion and then they'll come back in. And I literally had one person come to me and she said, I listened three times to this particular episode and I knew I needed to talk to you. And I was like, thanks. I, I love <laughs> hearing that. I love yeah. hearing that because I'm, I'm working with clients now and and I think it's so important. I, I love this idea of podcast being like a platform for you to establish yourself as a thought leader and yes. to just have your voice. And then this idea of talking to, you know, prospects or people that you want to work with you. And what's better than to send someone to a, an episode 
where they can hear, like, you don't have to sell yourself. You're like, look, you know, we may or may not be a fit, but I, I think th these two episodes address that topic that we're talking about specifically. So, you know, listen to them and then you let me know. And like you said, it's almost magical the way it happens because you don't really have to do a lot of heavy, you know, convincing because they've heard you. They've heard you for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour in this conversation. And it's pretty clear that you know your stuff, right? Yes. And, and, and I've actually had that conversation when people call up and, you know, there's people can go to different price therapists and people shop around. But what I get lately, cause I do the podcast, I do a lot of writing. So there's, a, there is a media banner on my website when they go to it, so they can see like where I've been published. And all of that gives me a little extra clout. So mm -hmm. sometimes people will call me and say, I've compared 10. I had one woman call me and say, I compared 20 therapist websites and decided you're the person that's going to help me and my husband. And nice. I'm like, okay, that's not a lot of pressure. <laughs> and, uh, but then I've had conversations with people who, you know, I can hear the hesitation when I say the price of the service and I'll say, well, you know what? Why don't you just go and check out my website? And I say, we host a podcast. We have an active blog. There's all sorts of people contributing to it. And I said, even if you never call me again, we offer lots of free information for you right there on the website. So go check that out. And, you know, hopefully I'll hear from you. And if I don't, I hope that you get some value out of what we're producing for free. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely have had those conversations. And now you yeah. can, and now you can uh, add there also appeared on Podcast Junkies. That's right. <laughs> Something that you, you know I'll be posting about it all over social media. Oh yeah. <laughs> Something that you said that caught my attention was that you you played the or you point people to the episodes in the waiting room. Oh, I have this cool graphic uh, poster of my season one, and um, it has. I'll snap a picture and send it to you, but yeah, maybe we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. I will. Is uh, it has. Um, a little, uh, the picture, the business card picture that we make for every guest. And then it has a little synopsis of what the episode is about. And then it has a QR code that goes directly to their episode. And it's a poster of 24 episodes. And, uh, so it's right over my little coffee cart in the waiting room. And so clients can just scan on it and check it out that way. That's amazing. Where'd you get that idea? That's it's from my my tremendously talented ex husband who used to <laughs> produce everything. <laughs> well, what's what's so fascinating about anyone who's in the medical profession is this idea of a captive audience of people in waiting rooms. Um, I'm I'm listening to I'm, I'm binging on this new podcast called uh, More Cheese More Cheese Less Whiskers. It's a marketing guy, Dean Jackson, and he he's he he just does like um, hot seats with people, and so it's fascinating because he works to their business. And one guy. He, he's making these videos and he's selling them to dentist's office um, and he gives them like a mini server and it just, they just plug the TV into yes. the server and it shows all these treatments of stuff that can get whitening and stuff like that. So rather than having like these year old magazines that most <laughs> waiting rooms have, it's kind of just plants the seed and you know, this, mm -hmm. it's hard to see if there's a connection and direct sales result, but you can imagine if people say, see this over and over and they're sitting there for like 15, 20 minutes. You know, it's, it's got to have some sort of positive effect. And I think having your podcast there is brilliant. Oh, well, thank you. And uh, we are actually um, down at like one of my things that I haven't had a chance to actually build yet is to have one of those um, uh, like those motion picture frames that yeah. can tap oh, yeah. into 
something and we'll just load it up with with the blog post, with the videos that one of one of my therapists makes. People want to know uh, Pinnacle of Man. Guys can check that out. It's really actually great on YouTube. And um, But we put his videos, put the episodes where people can kind of listen to like snips of the episode and stuff like that while they're in the waiting room instead of just piping through the music like we normally do. I also think of like making little commercials for it that pipe through the Pandora or something. And so... <laughs> Have you checked out this episode of the Coaching Through Chaos podcast? So we'll see what happens with that. <laughs> well, it's interesting. There's so many different ways you could go with that. What about if there were other shows that didn't compete but are related to what you do, oh. and that could be ad space? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> Thank you, Harry. <laughs> this is why we all need to talk to each other. Because <laughs> yeah. there's no shortage of ideas when everybody starts getting together. Yeah, totally. So talk to me about uh, life in New York growing up. What time period was that? So, well, I grew up in the, like I was under 10 in the 70s. And uh, so, and just with all the storms, I went and looked up Hurricane Gloria. Do you remember Hurricane Gloria? No. Okay. It was 1980. So I was 10 years old and it was one of those category four storms. Cause I remember with everything happening in Florida and in Houston, I was like, well, what was Gloria? And so I remember being without power for two weeks, um, after that, but in general, growing up in New York, particularly on Long Island, I'm from out in Stony Brook area. Oh, yeah. So like my brother yeah, went to Stony Brook. Me too. I did my undergrad okay. there. And, um, and so it was, very nice. I mean, like we had, you know, I lived on one of the coastal towns on the north side and uh, nice little neighborhood. I I enjoyed being close to New York City and yeah. it felt very rebellious as a teenager to like take the train in and go to New York City and see all this was before Times Square was like cleaned up. And I remember some fun experiences around 16 around there with some of my friends. And um, so it was just convenient. You felt very metropolitan, like Mm -hmm. going into New York City as a kid. And I left New York at 30, but I love like the East End. I love how pretty everything is. But when I left New York, it was one of these things like Long Island in particular, you drive in and out in the same, you're on one highway or the other. Like there's no, there's only two ways and you're going to be in traffic. The LIE. The LIE or the Southern State Parkway or Sunrise Highway. And, um, and so being, it took me a long time after being gone. So I've been gone 17 years. Um, every time I go back now, it took me about probably seven to 10 years to really appreciate just how nice and, and pretty and, you know, that, that Long Island can be. Because mm-hmm. when I left, I was like, oh my God, I never want to see another Kmart. I never want to see another whatever the stores were that were on every corner. And I just felt like we were bombarded with suburbia. And, and I, I left as like a little experiment for myself. I came out here at 30 to like, I was a late bloomer in college and mm-hmm. finished up at Stony Brook and then decided I was going to drive across the country to go to graduate school out here and didn't know anybody. And so see, I was figured I'm either going to, you know, come back to New York with my doctorate in a couple of years, or I'm going to stay. But I'd always dreamed of living in California and wanted to live by the beach all the time. And now I literally live at the beach and I just, you know, I pinch myself. And so, um, going back to New York now is fun. And to be honest with you through social media, like every time I go home, it's like this high school reunion and which in my twenties, I wasn't having that. (laughs) I wasn't hanging out with my high school friends, but now when I come back, they all come out of the woodwork. We all have these great times when I come back to town. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it was, it's so interesting. Oh, so we're the same age because it's easy. Oh, it's easy because okay. we have those birthdays that uh, every, you know, it matches the, the year. Yeah, and the decade. Yeah. So it's easy to do the math. 
So I wonder, did you go out to any of the clubs? There's, there's uh, remember Sprats on the Water? Uh, no, but I remember uh, Dublin and whatever, Dublin Deck out in Hampton Bays. Like we would okay. go out to Hampton Bays. But my brother is in a band that is in death metal and they're, they're pretty well known for it. He's the lead singer of Suffocation. And okay. so they were starting out. They even launched in high school. Now it's what I don't want to say how many years later, but he's the same age I am too. Yeah. And so he's a little bit older, but. And they're still going strong and, and everything, but they played out in like, remember that, um, the club that was in the church, Limelight. Limelight, yeah, the church. of course. Oh, I totally remember <laughs> falling down the stairs in platform shoes in the early 90s at the Limelight. <laughs> I've got a lot of Limelight stories. That Those yeah. were like, that was seminal for me because that was like, you know, we were, I was what, 17, 18, 19. Yeah. And it was like, I remember going there. And for, for the listeners who don't know, Limelight was a old church. Yes. That they converted into a club and they had, that's like the birth of techno music. And I was a waiter at TGI Fridays and we would go <laughs> out afterwards to Limelight and they uh-huh. would go to like three or four in the morning. It was crazy. Yeah. And Webster Hall Webster for Hall, concerts. Yeah. yeah. So that was fun. <laughs> yeah. It's good. I mean, it's, I, I was just back uh, a couple of weeks ago and I hadn't been in a year. And then I live, I grew up in Yonkers, which is just outside. And, mm-hmm. It's just interesting. I love the energy. I mean, I I went into the city for a meeting. I met with a, actually a previous guest that I connected who, who came on the show, Alana Levine, and we didn't know each other prior to the interview. We connected on Twitter. She came on the show and now we've stayed friends and I said, I'm going to be in the city. I want to come see you. And she said, yes. Yeah. And so it's just funny how the podcasting world works. And then I stayed in the city. I went in, into um, Grand Central. I walked around. Mm-hmm. I went to the Oyster Bar. I ordered a martini. Mm-hmm. I had some oysters. <laughs> I just had the quintessential New York experience. I did a Facebook Live. And I love the energy. I just love, mm-hmm. I love crowds. I mean, I'm in LA now and I can yeah. stare at palm trees and mountains outside my window as we speak, but there's something about the vibe. I mean, I don't miss the winters and I don't miss the black snow, the slush. Exactly. <laughs> like we're very similar in that regard. It's the only reason why California was appealing because yeah, yeah. I do, I love New York City as well. Like, and I do last year when I went, I went in October last year and I have a cousin in Brooklyn. So I stayed with him for a couple of nights before I went out to the island to see the rest of the family. And I went and did the whole thing in the city. I have a friend who is a private practice there now who I knew from private practice in San Diego and she moved back to New York. And so we went and went to like Mario Batali's, oh, um, yeah. Italy. You know, that Italy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That was like an experience. It was fun. Um, but I did the whole museum thing cause that's, yeah. that's what up my alley. And so, so I went and did that and walked around the park for a bit and, it was just one of these things I'm like, oh, yeah, like I remember New York and it's really nice yeah. um, and really cool. But I wouldn't I wouldn't trade for no. living in California. <laughs> like I always say, I'll never be a full time New Yorker again. Yeah, but, I, don't think, I don't see that happening either. But I but I like the visits <laughs> now. <laughs> so um, do you try to make it to museums anytime you're in a major city? I do actually. So when last year in Chicago, I went to the Museum of Modern Art the last day in Chicago. Nice. I've gone in Dallas, Houston. Yeah, I try and go. Um, every time I go to a new city, I try to go to the contemporary or, or modern art museum that they have there. So my favorite, though, is the Hirshhorn in uh, D.C., which is like my favorite city. So I go there. I have cousins there and have spent some time there. So I try and get there every couple of years. Do you do you have a memorable uh, museum experience? Uh, well, the Hirshhorn just has some crazy art. Oh, I know. I'll tell you. One of them is right here. It's one of these things where I was like, yeah, modern art is kind of hit or miss. So there was one um, 
so I knew someone who was very good at visual art and technological visual art. And I was like, cool. I'm like, well, I'm good at making connections. So I said, well, let's see. Like, I, I bet you I could help you get into the museum here, like the mm-hmm. modern art museum. And the person never put their thing together. So we never actually, he never actually got to call my bluff on it. But we went to the museum. And I said, well, let's go check it out. They yeah. have like some video exhibition. They had a thing, and to the, if, you know, if the artist ever hears this, I'm sorry, but I didn't get it. It was called the zoo, okay. and it literally had haystacks and bundles of hay, you know, bundles of hay, with vid- old TVs on top of them with heads of zoo animals, and all you saw, <laughs> all you saw was the heads of these zoo animals on these TVs, and they were like all over the room on top of these stacks of hay, and I was like, really? Wow. Like, somebody is in a museum for that? <laughs> and then, then my friend, I'm like, you see? I'm like, you could easily yeah. get in here, this whole political thing going with video screens, and you made this amazing, I think you made the installation for Burning Man. I'm like, you oh. need to get this somewhere. So, but it was one of these things that that was like the probably the far out kind of thing that I was like, yeah, now I know why contemporary art gets a um, gets a bad rep some days. I've, but, I've seen some crazy stuff as well. In New York, um, what, what's the contemporary art theater there? Um, I forgot. It's But we went there and it was like in one of the rooms, it was a mattress. It was like an old mattress on the floor. Uh-huh. And I was like, what the what is going on here? And then on the wall, there was like, it was like the opposite of a stuffed animal. It was their hind side. Oh, yeah. So the hind side was in the wall facing us of a horse or something like that. And I'm just like, there's literally some where you're just like rubbing your face like, okay, I'm like uh, that's, that's art. That's eye of the beholder, right? <laughs> right. As you're saying it, I'm remembering the string hanging. And I think this was from New York City last year. So the Museum of Modern Art and... um uh, I think that's the one I went to. It might have been the smaller one. I'm not sure. But you're walking through and there's nothing but elbow to elbow crowds in this museum. And it was raining that day. It was October in New York. And so yeah. it was like everybody just went to the museums, you know. And so you could barely get through. But then all of a sudden, like I walk into a room and I see from off on a distance, I see this string hanging straight down, like from the ceiling, which is very high, all the way down to the ground. And I'm like, and there's a guy in a, in a blazer, museum blazer standing near it. And I'm like, I so <laughs> need to go talk to him because I'm sure he's going to tell me that that's a piece of art and I'm just yeah. going to laugh. Yeah. And so I and don't, went and don't, up to and don't him. Get, and don't get too close to it. <laughs> well, and it was so funny. So I went up to him and I'm like, hey, I'm like, is that art? And he goes, well, actually, he goes, where did you notice it? And I told him, I said, well, I was back there. He goes, oh, well, this means that you're actually very much aware of your surroundings and blah, 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 blah. And as he tells me that this means something about my ability to see things and whatnot, a woman literally almost takes it down with her. She walks right into it and it starts moving. And he's like, oh, no. And he starts freaking out. And so um, he's like, see, she didn't get it. And so he goes, she doesn't have that perspective. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, oh, my goodness. Well, it literally was a string. <laughs> well, <it's, laughs> what's hilarious is that you you needed him. If you need instructions, like, <laughs> with your art, then, I, I I mean, it should be able to stand on its own, right? I mean, if yes. you have to, like, if you need, the like, an instructing guide and actually somebody physically standing there to explain it to every single person that walks by, then it seems a bit much. 
Yeah. Now I have one last story, I think on that only because it's a powerful one. Like I keep thinking I need to write a blog on this, but there's, um, when I was in Chicago last year there, and this was around the time where there was all the shootings of the Mm -hmm. young black guys by the, by the police. And it was just all over the place. And so I'm in this museum and, um, I almost want to look up the, the artist, but I think, but it's called the lost boys. Marshall is the artist's name and he's known for depicting black culture. Mm -hmm. Um, in a very, real like it's surreal but real way and so he incorporates real stories into these surreal paintings and you know i'm a white girl from long island like i'm not very diverse and i live in san diego and thankfully i have friends from all over the place and i like to think that i'm culturally aware but you know i go into this museum we're in the middle of chicago there is african-american women that are are working there watching the painting and i go up and it's so powerful it's called the lost boys and it's a police car and it's like an apple tree with a a police tape wrapped around it then there's Mm. a little boy with um a toy gun and there was a little boy i almost remember the story from the 80s of this boy getting shot when the police thought that it was a real gun it was a toy gun and and it was heartbreaking and in in the context of what was going on in our culture, the fact that this was made, I think, in the early 90s and to be in 2016 and have this be the story that they were, you know, that that was still going on in our culture, heartbreaking. So this this woman who was a much older woman, must have been in her like 60s, early 70s, she worked there too. She comes over and we actually had like a little tear about it because I said, can you imagine like, I can't believe that nothing's changed. Like it Mm. feels like nothing's changed when you see the story of this painting and what's going on in our culture. And so we literally like kind of had a little tear. We hugged, we said, okay, yeah, let's hope for better things. And then I walked past this young girl who must've been in her twenties and African-American standing. This painting is like, I don't know, 12 by 12, maybe bigger. It's not, not like you could walk by. It's not small where you would notice it. It's very colorful. And I said to her, I said, oh, my gosh, I said, isn't that tragic when and pointed at the painting? And she goes, oh, why? What's it about? And I was like, 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 maybe I'm like, you I'm like, you are working here, right? (laughs) And she goes, yeah. I said, oh, my gosh. I said, well, I said, I'm going to recommend that you go over there and you really read this and you understand the story. I'm like, because you need to understand this and and understand that, you know, the world is a tough place. And I just couldn't believe it. And I felt like, oh, my gosh, am I right to even say that? Because as this white girl from Long Island, you know, like, did I have a place to do that? But it was so powerful and so moving. And it just made me think that, like, we walk around so blind sometimes. Things are staring us in the face that are reflections of our culture. And we don't even see it some days or we don't want to. So... So, yeah, so I have fun museum stories, and then that one just, I'll never forget that. Well, that's an example. Like, we talk about, you know, we, the nice juxtaposition, because we talk about the ones that we just scratch in our heads uh, about. Yeah. But there are, I mean, if you go enough times, I think people tend to write off museum exp- experiences as completely boring. But I've had some profoundly powerful moments of just, like, getting it, or just it meaning something to me specifically. It could mean something else to someone else who looks at it but i just just really like you can sense like that they were trying to convey something and and when they're successful i mean it really hits home and it has that that visceral effect that it did with you so that's that's a that's a that's a a check in the in the pro column for why you should go and 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 really get out of your comfort zone i I studied arts and ideas in college and it was just interesting to get exposed to all the, the masters uh, but then i had a chance to go to amsterdam and i went to the uh rikes rikes museum i think it is and I saw uh, Night Watch, 
It's the, I think it's, is that Rembrandt? But it's huge, 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 uh-huh. huge, huge. Must be, again, like another one of those. And I remember like, well, I remember because I saw it on paper in class, right? And I'm like, oh, this is cool. And then to be standing in front of it is mm-hmm. just like really amazing. Like, to, And then to be, you're transported back in time to the moment. And I'm like, I, I'm the type of person that gets close and I stare at the brush strokes. Like I, you can see the texture of the brush strokes and yes. you can kind of like envision like, it's almost like a time machine, like, you can see, like, as he's painting, like, you can get a feel for that. So, like, when that happens, it's really cool. So, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and for fun, if you ever get the chance to see the Lego exhibit when it comes around, everybody should go see that. Oh, yeah? It's just so fun to Very see. Cool. <laughs> Definitely do that. Yes. So, we're, we're covering a, a wide variety of topics here. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so, a couple of questions as we wrap up. Um, sure. What's something you've changed your mind about recently? Oh. Wow. Um, something I've changed my mind about recently, you know, I'll go with the podcasting thing of kind of like changing my mind that I had to focus on, on a timeline as opposed to quality and value of what I wanted to bring to people. Cause I was holding on to that. I'm not doing it right. Or I'm not doing it good enough because of everything we learn at the conferences that you have to set your schedule and your audience is going to wait for you on Tuesday to launch yeah. your Tuesday episode. And, and I just had to let that go and say, well, I'm not doing it for that reason. You know, I'm doing it for what what I wanted to bring to the audience. And if I can't bring that to them, I have to be okay with that and and do it on my own timeline. So I think letting go of that was a change of mind. That's important because there is no one size fits all. And I know there's people who are proud of the fact that in six years they haven't missed one single episode. And, you know, that's their that's their mindset and that's their mentality. But I think that's not something you can just immediately project onto others as to that's how they should do their show like to your to your point you want to be able to give the best show episode possible and you want to give it your all and if that means you need two weeks to rest or you need to take a break every you know after six months you know i think you should you should listen to yourself in terms of what Mm -hmm. what fits for you and what and what you feel allows you to bring the best to your show Right. And what the purpose of the show is, everybody has a different motivation. Like, you know, mine's all tied into enhancing what I do and bringing something to people who may or may not be potential clients, but people who want to improve their lives and are interested in self-help type of things. And, you know, when you, and I'm running a business and I'm Mm -hmm. launching a new one and I've got 10 million other things going on. And so it also had to look at, okay, but where can I put this? Where's the priority level? And so as long as I know I'm giving a good quality product when I do it, then I do it. But I, I have to look at where's the priority, where's the business stuff, where's the the things that are going to get me ahead to give me more time to actually do podcasting later on, because that is my goal, is to do a lot more podcasting or radio. And some of that's starting to happen now. So I'm really excited about it. Very good. What's the one most misunderstood thing about you? That I've got it all together. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that. I'm this relationship expert and life is great. And, you know, I got this pretty office and, you know, and, and I think people project onto therapists that, um, and especially when you carry yourself a certain way, I think they, they project onto you that like, you've got everything handled and you never have any problems and nothing bad ever happens. And so part of what I've been doing lately is telling a little bit of life story stuff so that people get it that like, I got here for a reason, not, not just by reading some books. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think people want to know that they can relate to you. And and I think to the extent the podcasters, we have that ability to share parts of our lives with people. And if you do a show long enough, you know, stuff is going to come out. And I think uh, listeners, I know that listeners really resonate with that with honesty and with sincerity. 
Yes. And, and I'll, I'll say too, it, it's, it's helped me because I, I have, you know, you get schooled in, although I come from all this stuff that leads me to want to be in psychology and want to help other people get their lives in order and, and achieve their goals. You know, we are trained that you're the blank slate. You don't talk about yourself. And I'm always one that was a little bit, bend the rules a little bit and kind of use that because you want your clients to relate to you and you want to make a good bond because it is a personal relationship. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the podcasting has allowed me as a guest on a lot of shows to talk about how I got into psychology or why I'm interested in chaos theory, which is what coaching through chaos, it was came about through my doctorate work. And then, then I tell my life story and I don't hold back and I tell the ugly and, and they understand, Oh, okay. She gets it, you know, or that I can relate to people, even though, you know, my life isn't a big, you know, handful of messes right now. It was <laughs> 20 years ago. Yeah. Trust me. <laughs> well, I, I think that's the type of thing that allows people to relate to you and to really see you as a, as a human being. You know, we all have mm-hmm. faults. We all have, we've all stumbled along the way. Uh, there's no one that's living a perfect life. I don't care what your Facebook feed looks like or your Instagram photos look <laughs> like. <laughs> so I think to the extent that we can show people that it's more important to be genuine, I think is where you, you make the real connections. Yes, absolutely. So, Colleen, thank you so much for uh, finally, uh, so for for allowing this to happen. And and I know that, you know, we, we, the conferences are great because it's just a nice way to get a face to face and then get a Mm -hmm. feel for who people are and and your energy is infectious. And I knew, um, you know, once we reconnected again, that I wanted to make sure I I had you on the short list to get you on the show. Oh, well, thanks, Harry. It's really, this has been a blast to talk to you. And it's always fun seeing you around the conferences, but this is a blast. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. So where's the best place for folks to track you down? Right. Well, the website is coachingthroughchaos.com. And um, if they really want to just kind of connect, they can find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Dr. Colleen Mullen. And um, I do live videos every Tuesday at 3.30 Pacific time and little tips and tricks on some topic in life management and to help people. It's usually born out of what's going on in my environment. And I say, oh, this could be helpful for other people. So, um, (laughs) so, but, but I definitely love connecting with people on Facebook. My, my, pages public and so people can feel free to friend me or like the coaching through chaos page on facebook okay and we'll make sure we'll have all those links in the show notes as well yes yeah well well, thanks again i hope you have a fantastic week and i'm sure we'll we'll both being on the on the in southern part southern california we're gonna find a way to reconnect again soon yep definitely (laughs) okay Okay, and i'll see you around on facebook (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right harry okay bye-bye So thanks again to Colleen for coming on the show. I always appreciate when people take an hour out of of their day to spend it with me and with you, my fellow podcast junkies. It's nice when someone is from the East Coast and we can reminisce about good times and bad weather. (laughs) We are a proud member of podcastica.com. Intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil, cedarsoil.com for his great collection of music. Don't forget to support our sponsor, please, Podbean. They do such a great job of sponsoring the show, and I'm eternally grateful to them. Podbean.com slash podcast junkies. Check out their wide range of plans, and don't forget uh, the offer for my coaching help, which you can hear in detail at the beginning of the episode. Tune in next week for our conversation with Jim Collison, another podcast veteran that I've been dying to have on the show, host of the pod, host of Ask the Podcast Coach. Um, that hour flies by as well, but uh, it's he's one of those folks that we've met uh, in passing at conferences and we know of each other, but we haven't uh, 
until now, until next week, been able to speak. So that's going to be a great one. The retention hashtag in honor of the East Coast representation is going to be hashtag Long Island Colleen. <laughs> uh, and you can tag Colleen at uh, Dr. Colleen Mullen. So that's D-R-C-O-L-L-E-E-N-M-U-L-L-E-N. And we are, of course, at podcast underscore junkies. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter if you haven't already to receive my weekly episode updates. It's a, a way for me to still continue to get stay engaged with you. I know some of you may be subscribed to the show, and that's, I'm eternally grateful for that as well. But occasionally, you know, you don't see it in your subscription. And so uh, an email is a nice way to just let you know. And I've uh, shout out to Angel uh, Jones, who saw an episode that I sent via email. Um, the one about Claire Duffy and he, you can tell that he listened to it because it was the email where I mentioned it. And then, um, he commented how much he appreciated that episode. So if you're a podcaster, don't forget the power of a newsletter to communicate to your audience, what's going on and just different ways, obviously Twitter, Facebook, um, you know, assuming they subscribe the newsletter, these are all good ways. Um, so the easiest way to sign up is at podcastjunkies.com slash eight tools and as a bonus, you get a free PDF of the tools I've used to launch Podcast Junkies. If you've all, you're already a member of the newsletter posse, head on over to podcastjunkies.com slash iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Por favor. Thanks for all you do to support the show. Spread the word. Let other people know. Wear the t-shirt at Disneyland as my friend, or was it, I think it was Disney World, but as my good, good friend, Denny Crahey of Diz Runs did and he posted a picture in the podcast Junkies Junkies face group, Facebook group. Don't know what that is? Hmm. Maybe you need to subscribe to the newsletter. Take care guys <laughs> and have a fantastic day and we'll chat next week. Yeah.